Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Her feet aren't as big as his, but make no mistake, she can fill his shoes. Welcome to The Roy Green Show with special guest host Alex Pearson on the Chorus Radio Network. Sunday afternoon. Great to have you along here for the ride. I'm Alex Pearson in for Roy Green. He, of course, will be back with you next weekend. Got a busy show for you today. Not exactly the happiest day. You know, September 11th. We stop and we remember. And, of course, it's one of those days that you'll never, ever forget where you were. So I spent much of my morning once again watching the thousands of names being read off. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, you can always be part of the conversation. I always welcome your input or for you to have a chance to have your say, 416-870-6400 or star 640 on your cell across Canada. It is 1-888-225-8255. Uh, speaking of the 9-11 uh, ceremonies, what happened to Hillary Clinton? Yeah, the presidential candidate collapsing at one of the ceremonies at Ground Zero. She's calling it from, uh, saying that it was from the heat but I, I think it's more than that. This is not the first time we have seen her, you know, get a little shaky. And there have been some concerns raised. So we'll talk a little bit about that and what happens now. We'll hear from a 26-year-old man with severe mental illness. He wants doctor-assisted suicide. And if he doesn't get it, he will kill himself. It's one of those slippery slope conversations. You know, do we allow that? We'll have that debate a little bit later. And we'll ask the question, is the shine coming off of Justin Trudeau's sunny ways? Bad economic numbers, job numbers not so great, and a, a rather big peacekeeping mission that is very dangerous. These are the issues that we are debating that may, in fact, challenge his leadership. So we'll talk about all of those things coming up. But, but let's get started on, on, I think, the focus of the day. And you ask yourself, you know, where were you 15 years ago? There are, there are those moments in history that really do stop us in our tracks, you know, those moments where you just never forget where you were. And, and I got to say, it's hard to believe it's been 15 years since 2,996 were killed and another 6,000 injured. It's the day, I think, collectively in the West anyway, that we learned what terror is and that we are no longer immune to it. And, of course, 26 Canadians were killed that day. 48-year-old Ken Baznicki was one of them. He was on the 106th floor of the World Trade Center. He was visiting on business that day. And since then, his wife Maureen has remembered her husband Ken by doing things like lobbying for legislation that would allow Canadians to sue the countries that supported and, and led to the terror attacks like 9-11. But she's also helped organize the Canadian Day of Service, it's in partnership with Wounded Warriors, and they've put together a very special commemorative service, which was unveiled today in Gander, Newfoundland. Uh, Gander, as you recall, became the epicenter. That's the day, remember, 7,000 stranded 9-11 travellers ended up. And of course, as we do here in Canada, they open their hearts to help. 
And for that, the city of New York sent a one-meter piece of steel beam from the South Tower this week. And it's all to say thank you and to help commemorate this 15th anniversary. So it will be placed at the airport where those 39 planes landed. And today in Gander, folks including Maureen Basnicki and her daughter Erica, they, they, they gathered at Gander to pay tribute to the loved ones and thank Gander for all its kindness. Scott Maxwell is the executive director of Wounded Warriors. He is in Gander and worked with Maureen to put this together, and he joins us now. Thanks so much, Scott, for joining us. Happy to be on the show. Thank you. So tell me about this special ceremony that really uh, you know, took part, part earlier today uh, in Gander. How, what was the mood of it like? And paint a picture, if you will, for our listeners. Yeah, well, very powerful, obviously. A whole bunch of ordinary people got together in these communities in Gander and the surrounding area to do extraordinary things for our American neighbors that day. And so we paid tribute to that this morning. There's a wonderful uh, tour of gratitude that's been set up by uh, the World Trade Center Memorial Foundation, New York Police, New York Fire, and they're here. They've been here for the last couple of days. They led a service to thank Canada and the Canadians who lost their lives this morning. And then we had another service at Appleton, just a little bit south of Gander, at 11. Uh, they received a piece of the North Tower uh, service ten years, uh, five years ago, marking the 10th anniversary. And then just now, I'm just stepped out. We're just concluding the the, uh, the main service, uh, commemorating the, the attacks and the anniversary, and and really not only talking about the um, you know the, the sad the reality of what happened 15 years ago, but but also and equally as important the gratitude and the sense of extreme graciousness, care, and compassion that that, that presented itself in the face of, of terror. Mm-hmm. I bring uh, Maureen up and Erica because I met them in mm-hmm. those days after 9-11 when people were scared, people were still in a state of shock, and I remember being in their home, uh, you know, them telling me about Ken, and it was just such an emotional time. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, she may have been more public in her mourning, uh, you know, at that time, and certainly would go to New York for the ceremony to read the names out and be part of that ceremony. But I get the sense that, you know, she has taken her grief in a different direction, become a little bit more private, and like so many others, um, is now giving back. We've heard from so many people who either went into service, wanted to become part of something to give back, and she has been a huge part, I think, of how we, uh, you know, celebrate and remember those lost on this day. Absolutely. You think of the National Day of Service in Canada, September 11th each year. That's a direct result of Maureen Basnicki. She uh, is a big supporter of Wounded Warriors Canada and approached me after an interview I did some years ago uh, wanting to get involved more to talk about the impacts. Of course, that we all sometimes can forget that as a result of uh, September 11, 2001, 40,000 Canadian Armed Forces members fought in Afghanistan, 158 paid the ultimate sacrifice, and thousands are living today across the country with those injuries sustained uh, in their service to Canada. So a lot has happened, and there's been a huge impact. And, of course, Marine uh, coming to partner with us to come to Gander and, and help organize these events again is, is simply instrumental in to, in to ensure, first and foremost, that we always remember not only the evil of that morning, but, but equally as important, the, the outpouring of support, the generosity, and the, and the great shining human spirit that, can, that presents itself often in the face of tragedy. Yeah, certainly Gander um, really put the face of of just how giving Canadians are and how caring they are because this did really touch us, um, you know, so very deeply on that day. I certainly watched the ceremonies this morning with my son. He's way too young to understand what's going on, but I want him to know that uh, on this day our lives forever change. And I think it's important that people 
kind of step back and, and, and not forget. But do you get the sense, Scott, that folks are becoming too detached from it, that, you know, September 11th and what was really so unbelievable to watch it unfold? Do you get the sense that the further we get away from it, the more people tend to just kind of forget? Well, I, I, you know, it's tough to say. I hope not. When, you, when you're here and you're at these events, you certainly don't believe that could be the case. I mean, the education component is huge. The, the, our American friends from New York who came up to be part of this from the police and fire with toured schools here in the Gander and around surrounding area and the, and the youth at the services this morning and the youth that are here today certainly leads you to think that it's not the case. But obviously Canada is a huge country. And what we're going to hope to do with the National Day of Service component of September 11th is, 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 is go to different communities each year and uh, pay our respects to men and women of uniform service in Canada uh, with a focus, of course, on the attacks of September 11th. So there's, there's things we can do better and do more of as a country. And I think that what we're seeing here is just is witness of that. And it keeps everything uh, alive and it generates discussion about what the impacts were, what followed. Mm-hmm. and how we can continue to remember. So we're going to do our part, the best of our ability at Wind Warriors Canada, working with people like Maureen and communities across the country that want to be involved and want to show our men and women uniform first responders uh, about how much we care and do appreciate their service each and every day. Yeah, I mean, look, I was a young reporter when this happened and being in the thick of it, uh, as you saw people in the airport, you know, terrified uh, that their loved ones were caught in the towers, the, just the absolute sheer chaos, or, of course, going to all the funerals of those Canadians killed. You you know, I was able to get a firsthand sense of just this, the sadness uh, of that. Um, so I remember a lot about that, but I, I do wonder if the younger generations just kind of are... You know, a little bit uh, immune uh, to the well, real. I, mean, I, I just think lives. we got to do a, we got to do our part yeah. as a as a nation, educationally, uh, publicly. We got to ensure that this is part of the conversation at all times. It, it definitely, obviously, should be part of the conversation. The impacts on everything, so many things we do in life, have been profound as a result of that morning, mm-hmm. and. You know, I just think that there's work that still needs to be done in that regard. And like I say, I think having a National Day of Service with much more attention and focus placed on it every 12 months will help. And by changing and taking a National Day of Service events to different communities, like think of Fort McMurray, for example, yeah. and just what, what has happened there this year. That would be a great place, for example, to have National Day of Service 2017. Or There's lots we can do to go and commemorate. Um, and of course, you don't have to be in Gander to show how much Canadians care about our what happened there, how much they support our American neighbors and, and our men and women uniforming here and, and in the United States and around the world. So there's lots that we can do. We're going to we're prepared to do more as an organization. That's why we're here. That's why we were proud to co-host the events with the town of Gander. And uh, it, it's all in, in part, of course, to not only pay our respects and remember, but education and awareness is just as important long term. 100%. Scott Maxwell is the Executive Director of Wounded Warriors. I'll get you to stay on the phone because I want to pick up on a part of the conversation I think that uh, that we don't often associate. You know, 158 of our Canadian men and women in the military paid uh, the ultimate sacrifice because they, of course, caught, called into duty to Afghanistan after 9-11 to fight al-Qaeda. After this break, I want to talk about where we are in the fight on terror that I think really started after 9-11. This is the new norm when it comes to fighting. We'll talk about that and an important peacekeeping mission that I don't think a lot of Canadians know is underway and just how dangerous it is. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to The Roy Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. You know, 9-11 uh, changed everything. Draw men and women into a conflict. 
40,000 armed forces were called into action in Afghanistan to fight al-Qaeda. And it wasn't a peacekeeping mission. This was war. So 9-11 signaled a new dawn and this new reality of terror. So now when we go into battle, we're fighting a new kind of enemy. And I'm not sure if a lot of people know, but we have 600 troops now being called into a peacekeeping effort in Africa. But I think I'm not big on this term, a peacekeeper, because I think it lulls Canadians into thinking that our troops aren't going into danger. Well, they are. In this case, one of the most dangerous terror zones in Africa. I'm talking about Mali, where 100 UN peacekeepers have been killed. Or maybe it's a different region of Africa, but there's no question it's dangerous. Hardly peaceful. Scott Maxwell is the executive director of Wounded Warrior, and he stayed on the phone to join us in this part of the conversation because, Scott, there's no question that 9-11 changed, um, I think, our traditional role of what we call ourselves peacekeepers. Am I right? Certainly. Well, it certainly took us back to the type of uh, warfare that the Canadian Armed Forces has a distinguished history. And if you go back to the First Second World War, in terms of the uh, service and sacrifice that uh, we, we presented to the world, and so it changed a lot. When you talk about the size and the scale of our engagement there for the, the country of our size, and so with that, uh, however, we had a lot of sacrifice and casualties along that went along with that. We're talking about PTSD, mental health. Mm-hmm. So you know, the engagement for Canada was just humongous. Yeah, we lost 158 men and women uh, in Afghanistan. And, you know, we've joined the fight in ISIS. We don't have the air uh, part of this thing anymore. But we are on the grounds, and and it's not a peacekeeping mission. These are special operations. They're in real danger, fighting a real enemy. Um, You know, there are no rules here in in this kind of uh, battle. And now we're talking about 600 more troops going into a a region that is, um, you know, there's absolutely no peace there. And we know that peacekeepers have come into direct fire and have been killed. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot since I've worked with General Dallaire, uh, Romeo Dallaire, for the last couple of years. Uh, He's the National Patron Mm -hmm. of Wounded Warriors Canada, and just getting to know him as they have taught me a lot, and through that, the organization a lot, about what what to do in times there's just no peace to keep. And so what our men and women uniforms are thrown into at times in these very dangerous parts of the world one of the things uh, from a program lens, uh, when I started to go to graduation ceremonies of the mental health programs we fund, I just assumed and expected at times that it would be men and women that served in Afghanistan. And while I was completely wrong, there was uh, many uh, men and women who were suffering from operational stress injuries like PTSD that served in Bosnia or Rwanda, for example, uh, peacekeeping missions. So, you know, this, this is, this is going to present a new challenge, another challenge to Canada and the Canadian Forces going forward as we extend our reach and our involvement in Africa. Yeah, I mean, we're not being told a lot about this. Ottawa is just simply not telling us where they're going and what our responsibilities will be. In fact, uh, I'm a bit surprised that there's absolutely no debate to be had on this issue, given the amount of debate that was given to ISIS uh, and our involvement in that. Do you think it's a mistake not to debate this and and, and figure out a real game plan? Yeah, I think the key is getting the House back in session, and that's what the opposite, the role of the opposition, of course, the role of the government is to play in that, in, in, in House Commons, is to debate, discuss, and, and articulate exactly what our role is going to be in any operation overseas. So I'm, I'm looking, to, I'll be watching that closely, as I'm sure we all will, with respect to the government's position and, and the questions asked from the opposition. So I think that's part of the, the challenge to date is that, you know, the House has been in recess for the summer, and we'll just resume here in a couple of weeks. 
Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, I think we always need to have more attention on this. But I think it will ramp. I hope, and I'm I'm confident the the attention will ramp up on this when the when the government presents it in full, and uh, and then we start to cover it and talk about it more because it's definitely something that, that need not fly under the radar at all. Yeah, certainly. Do you think we it's time that we change the name from Peacekeeper? Because I think it makes people feel good. But I don't want people to think that we just go in there and everyone gets along. I mean, you know, I don't want to underestimate what our men and women are doing. Yeah, I think myself personally, I think that we need to just ensure a couple of things above all. Our, that our men and women are prepared for what they're going to see and experience when they go over there. And equally, when they return, if they need support and if they need the programming and assistance for what they witnessed and went through that it's it's there for them in full uh, when they re- when they come home and that uh, if they if for those that are medically released as, a, as an example that that we're all here to support them in their time of need because no matter what we call it or phrase it the, the facts are the facts they're going to be presented with some uh, horrific horrific environments and things that no one should see uh, and uh, when they come home and they're in need then that we're here for them and and we're having a frank and honest conversation about what it is that they're doing where they are and how best they're doing and of course with as in that just there's a caution and the caveat of that of course is what they can disclose but certainly we need to be talking about it debating it understanding it as a nation so that you know when people come home like general delaire for example came home from rwanda uh the you know the the nation wasn't aware of what he what he witnessed or what had happened fully in, in rwanda indeed the whole world really wasn't and that's yeah. something that we just i mean if history is an example that's certainly uh, a good one of a situation that you do not want to repeat. Yeah, no, and I tend to agree with you because this is a much, much more, uh, I think, out of control and unstable region of the world. We'll keep watching. Scott, thank you so much. My pleasure. Scott Maxwell is the executive director of Wounded Warrior, and I think he'll be watching a lot on that conversation. I certainly hope that there is some debate on it because we certainly held Stephen Harper to account when there was debate on what our role would be with ISIS. So I think this mission... Uh, which I I put up there as equally as dangerous, should also get the same kind of transparency and the same kind of debate. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Gloria Allred will join us to talk about a case that is decades old and now getting into a courtroom. We'll talk about that when we come back. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to The Roy Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network.